This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. I'm back in the saddle again. Out where a friend is a friend. Yes, indeed. Back in the saddle again after an extended break. Uh, Linda Swain here with Gene Autry. <laughs> Back in the saddle. And Greg, uh, you're off a little bit of uh, vacation time as well. Uh, Looking yeah. well rested and alert. Yeah, it was great to uh, take a, a couple of weeks off. Got a really hot stretch there the first week, as yeah. you know. And cooled a bit off last week, but it was good. It was all great. A little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, did you get out anywhere? Uh, yeah, got out around Whipper and Dildo for a little nice, bit. Got a nice. little spot out there with the family, so we stayed out there for a couple days but hung around town for the majority of it you know and regatta day of course was a big one you had to be around for that right yeah got out to twilling gates for the first time i think before the covid wow uh yeah uh so it's been a long time since we've been out there and a few changes out there but it's all good uh so um, always beautiful out in twilling gate yeah it's lovely i gotta say and uh, it's just good to get out of town every now and again you need that for a bit of perspective for sure yeah for sure for sure. Anyway, I'm glad you had a good vacation. Yes, I got you. Restful and the like. Well, um, if you've been listening to the news today, you'll know that questions are being raised about the supports available for Ukrainians coming to Newfoundland and Labrador, of course, to escape the war back home. Uh, Pat Power of Torbay has been volunteering her time helping a number of Ukrainian families who are having difficulties settling into the community. She was on VOCM Open Line with Patty Daly last week, and here's some of what she told VOCM Jerry Lynn Mackey a short while ago is not as successful as you think there's one family that I'm dealing with the man works all night long leaves there and goes to another job just to be able to pay the rent he got a wife and two kids so they're struggling they're going to food banks they're in hard shape the first lady I helped was a registered nurse but and she was under the impression when she got here she get a job as a nurse because they were told we were desperate for nurses but then she couldn't when she got here so she's working as a PCA in a a private retirement home and she wasn't even qualified in the hospital to work as a PCA so they're certainly certainly working in jobs that they are overqualified for and there was there's a lady just this week that's traveling two hours by bus to get to a four-hour cleaning job and two hours back again she managed to rent just a room she's here by herself and uh, she's like a health professional she's working cleaning we need those people so bad in our health care system and uh, is not what they expected when they were coming So that's Pat Power. She's done some uh, volunteer work with uh, some Ukrainian families settling in here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Well, Jerry Byrne is the Provincial Minister of Immigration, and he joins me now. Well, hello, Jerry Byrne. Well, thank you very much for having me on. Well, uh, by now you probably have heard some of the comments from Pat Power, a woman in Torbay who's been helping Ukrainians, and she's been raising some very serious concerns that she's hearing uh, from the Ukrainians that she's dealing with. And they're uh, giving her a long list of issues that, uh, you know, they're having some difficulty getting addressed. What's your response to that? Well, first off, I really want to say on behalf of all of us, we really do appreciate all of the volunteer work and support that comes from community, especially those 
who put in extra special efforts to support Ukrainians and other refugees that arrive in our in our province from uh, from foreign lands is important. But at the same time, it really is important for those who um, who avail of their services, who provide their time, to also understand that it's really important to work directly and with confidence in the Association for New Canadians in this resettlement process. The ANC has over 40 years of experience in dealing with very difficult situations related to refugees, and that's what they are, always difficult situations, because they are refugees. They come from a place where there is either war-torn or political uh, instability, where they are persecuted, where they are left homeless, and they come to Canada, Newfoundland, and Labrador seeking a better life and often have uh, certain limitations because through language or skills to make a seamless, immediate integration into Newfoundland and Labrador. And it's true of our Ukrainian friends as well. While the province of Newfoundland and Labrador uh, asked and, and, uh, 750 Ukrainians to come here through our special charters, there are far more Ukrainians that are here than 750 that arrive through directly through our Ukrainian Family Support Desk. There are 3,000. There are 3,000 here, and we are attempting to support each and every one of them. What I have been told by the ANC is that while they appreciate the uh, outpouring of support and the direct generosity of time and energy, they're as well not for people and not to undermine uh, their efforts to, uh, to successfully resettle. It's really important that all advocates, and there are many in our community, to work directly with the Association for New Canadians. They are the experts in this field. They've got over 40 years of experience dealing with what are always difficult situations related to refugee resettlement. The ANC works directly with the refugees, including our Ukrainian friends and neighbours, to find work, to find housing, to learn English as a, as a new language, to the, integrate into the community. Occasionally, we encounter advocates who uh, really encourage Ukrainians not to take whatever available work is a, is, is a, it might be available and to not to seek independent housing. And this was a recent situation. I'll give it to you as an example. There was an advocate who said, who, who the ANC or the, the ANC who were working with a Ukrainian family uh, to move out into community who had been in the hotels for an extended period of time. The advocate was encouraging the family not to move out of the hotel. The end result was that um, the Ukrainian family were saving money to buy a home. And when the ANC worked with them, uh, they they put it down po- a deposit on a brand new home uh, in the Airport Heights area uh, f- with four bedrooms, and the deal closes on the first of September. So, the full story: what we we often do not hear is stories from Ukrainians themselves. What I hear increasingly is stories from advocates who are speaking on. They say they suggest they're speaking on behalf of Ukrainians. And I will never, ever surrender the point that, you know, when you have a secure environment, like temporary accommodations in a hotel, when you've come from a war-torn place, this is always a very confident place to be. And you're reluctant sometimes 
to move out of community. This is, this is where the ANC comes in. They work directly with the Ukrainian refugees, with all of their experience in dealing with refugees, to work with them to get them into, into community and to do so comfortably and confidently. This family that, uh, that I mentioned, after getting, being encouraged not to leave the hotel by the advocate, the family did leave the hotel by purchasing a brand-new four-bedroom house. And so that's a story of success that I really want to say. Ukrainians want to work. That's what they want to do. we working with them to make sure that their employment is fulsome, that it's the best they can achieve, that, uh, that it's full-time, that it pays well. But at the same time, they know that by working hard now, they can advance themselves. No Ukrainian I've ever met does not want to work. And that is the true story here. So we will always work with our Ukrainian friends. We'll work with the Association for New Canadians to get our Ukrainian friends out into the community, to get them great jobs, to get them great places to live. It does take time. Our province took in 750 Ukrainians through our, our, our special relief program. But at the same time, there are now 3,000 Ukrainians that live here that came, many, uh, many coming independently uh, after hearing about the province. We'll work with all of these Ukrainians to find great jobs, great places to live, and it's working. So I encourage everyone to do. Do not undermine the Association for New Canadians and their efforts. Don't second-guess or armchair quarterback this exercise. Work with them, and they will work with you just as they work with the Ukrainians, and the result be a much, much better result. Are there still some yes. difficulties being experienced by Ukrainians who are looking for that gainful employment so they can get out into their, their own dig, so to speak? Of course there are difficulties, and that's where we apply resources to their situation like no other place in Canada does. We have wage subsidies for Ukrainians. We provide them with support for moving out and into their own place. We provide them with language courses. We provide them with a number of different financial programs and services to be able to make that, uh, that transition. But at the, the reality is, is that many have come to our province with no English language skills whatsoever, uh, and their careers back in Ukraine were in the hospitality industry or the service sector. And, uh, you know, it's, they're finding they're looking for work in the hospitality and the service sector as they did in Ukraine. And some are finding some difficulty in some of those places, uh, some of those jobs. But we will continue to work with them, not only to provide them with housing support, but uh, wage subsidies to employers that will employ them. Uh, other resources, including training support to be able to get them on their feet. But we do. We have 3,000 Ukrainians, 2,200 of which are already out in community, working and in their own housing. And we're working on uh, getting all, of them, uh, all the rest of it as well. So I would encourage all advocates, and this will be a story that you will hear over and over and over again as we work with all 800 Ukrainians, that are still living in temporary uh, housing uh, of the 3,000. We will work with them. These are individuals, generally speaking, that have uh, some difficulty in making the transition, but we will work with them to get that job done. 
but we need everybody to work with the ANC and not against it. Jerry Byrne, I do appreciate your time. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Linda. Jerry Byrne, of course, is the Minister of Immigration. Well, coming up, we'll hear from the Association for New Canadians. This is News Talk on VOCM. Get lost in the music of legendary artists like Elton John, The Beatles, and more. Join Claudette Barnes every Sunday from 12 to 1 p.m. and relive fond memories through the power of music with Sunday Melodies on your VOCM. Well, before the break, we heard from Pat Power, a volunteer who says the integration of Ukrainians into the community may not be as successful as one might think. Immigration Minister Jerry Byrne, of course, was quick to respond, indicating that the community has to work with the Association for New Canadians to help Ukrainians still struggling to find work and a permanent place to live. Well, Kerry Murray is the ANC's Director of Ukrainian Services, and he joins me now. Well, Kerry Murray, you're with the Association for New Canadians, and you guys have been working really hard with um, quite a few Ukrainians who have come to Newfoundland and Labrador in recent months, uh, up to 3,000, I'm told, by Jerry Byrne. Um, what kind of programs and, and services do you supply? So when Ukrainians arrive here, uh, you know, we we do everything from meet them at the airport. Uh, we provide them with temporary accommodations. We ensure that they have a full wraparound support model, you know, at their disposal. That would include helping them get a driver's license helping them establish a bank account, uh, find employment, find housing. Uh, so, and then after, you know, after, even when they move out in the community, they can still avail of our supports, like could be English language training. So we do everything that's necessary to help a newcomer settle into the community as easily and as quickly as possible. So how did the the whole transfer, I suppose, if you will, uh, out of the hotel rooms go? Uh, are all of those people now situated in the community? So people that move out, uh, there are still people in temporary accommodations, but people that move out, they we either we usually help find them. We have a housing team, and despite you know the low vacancy rate here in the St. John CMA and the difficulty sometimes in finding adequate accommodations we have single individuals right up to families of different sizes uh seniors we've been able to house you know 1600 people in private accommodations here you know and across the province um you know when they move you know no one moves out without having shown that they have secured accommodations that sort of thing and usually that's through our housing team but we've had People, lots of people in the broader community where we've gotten unbelievable support uh, that have reached out, that have come to us and said, I have a house, I have an apartment, I'd really like to rent it to a Ukrainian family, can you help me? And, and we do, and we work with them to, to, you know, to help them get put a tenant, uh, a family in, into their property. So, you know, we, we've had lots of support from the community, from landlords. The same thing with employment for people looking for employment. They reach out to us and want to employ Ukrainians. Any luck with the program uh, whereby, um, you know, families were being invited to invite Ukrainian families into their own homes? Yeah, so that's kind of just rolling out, but there, uh, we've had a lot of interest in that, and we can, we, you know, we'll scale that up. We'll probably start at 20, 
and we can scale it up to a hundred host families. Uh, you know, there's a process to go through to for a host family to ensure that you know that the living arrangement is you know um, adequate and that you know it's safe for both families, all that kind of stuff. We also have a requirement where the host family has to get a voluntary sector check and a certificate of conduct through the RNC, which is a requirement for anyone who volunteers uh, in within the ANC and many other organizations that do community work where you are working with probably vulnerable populations, that type. What so about, we anticipate. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I, I was going to ask you. What about language skill programs? Um, a lot of Ukrainians, of course, came to this country without any, um, you know, English language skills. How's that going? Uh, that's going well. I mean, you're right. the The range of language skills are, you know, vary. Uh, but we have a, a, an extensive English as a second language training program. Uh, they're assessed upon their arrival to determine their language skills. We also offer and provide occupational-specific language training. For instance, if you have someone working in the construction sector, so to make sure that they have a good handle not only on English, but so that they can they are aware of job-specific terminology, especially where it can impact the health and safety in the workplace. So. I mean, that's, uh, that program here is quite large with regards to English language training. Do some difficulties remain, though? Are, are some people still struggling to get that gainful employment or, or find that appropriate uh, housing situation? Yeah, oh, it, that is a challenge. But, you know, we have, uh, I think I, uh, our housing team here is extremely skilled at uh, finding accommodations We've managed to establish really good relationships with landlords, property owners, property managers, uh, you know, people uh, running, you know, property uh, apartment building managers, that sort of thing. So, but I mean, it takes time to uh, find housing and employment here as well. I mean, and there's also, you know, they have, there's a process to get credentials recognized uh, and to find people employment that matches their skill set all that sort that type of thing but uh, we have uh, an employment team and we work in partnership with the office of immigration and multiculturalism to make sure that these programs run as efficiently as possible well, I was going to ask about that because, of course, some of these newcomers are highly skilled uh, uh, professionals, uh, but having trouble getting gainful employment that reflects, you know, their their experience. Yeah, and that's something. I mean, we, we're not, uh, in, you know, credential recognition is not in in uh, something we do, but we can help them and point them in the right direction. You know, putting them in touch with it could be, uh, you know, the skilled trades, someone in the, uh, in the skilled trades, employers have been very helpful. They'll, they'll, they'll take people and, you know, if they have a certain skill, they'll help train them for the workplace, uh, you know, help them get their credentials recognized. Now, obviously some certain professions like in healthcare that take a lot longer and there's a licensing requirement and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, we've uh, we've seen a, a lot of people find employment in their field. Some have not, but there's it, it's it's a process of getting credentials recognized and probably matching their educational 
degree or diploma with the requirements that would be allow them to for employment in that field here. So obviously still a lot of work to do, but overall, how would you assess the uh, the current situation? I think we've done, I mean, we've done quite well, and especially on the housing and employment side. Uh, you know, we've had, we've brought, we've, we've, t- we've welcomed a lot of Ukrainians here. The community uh, has been extremely supportive and welcoming and, and provided a lot of assistance, uh, whether it's housing. We've had employers reach out, uh, offering employment. Uh, I have employment. I have a house they, that they, you know, where they can stay that, you know, so, it, but it's an ongoing, it's a work in progress to, uh, you know, this type of work. Settlement work is is unique and different than, you know, because you're dealing with people. And at the end of the day, we want we want to bring more diversity to our community. We want to make sure that Ukrainians and their families see Newfoundland and Labrador as a great place to live, you know, to raise a family and also work. And uh, a lot of them are, and a lot of them see that. And 3,000 is not an insignificant number. Absolutely not. And people are coming here, people are arriving, you know, weekly on their own, coming from, you know, the Ukraine or, or Eastern European countries or other places. Uh, so, I mean, they're coming here of their own, of their own accord. Uh, and, you know, there's almost every day there's people arriving. And we're here to support them. And always will be. And and this is work that the Association for New Canadians has been doing for almost 50 years. And, and they've been recognized across the country for the work they do. So I think, you know, they're, they, they're good at this, regardless of the number. Carrie Murray, I do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Linda. Carrie Murray is with the Association for New Canadians. He's the director of Ukrainian services. Coming up, the FFAW cries foul after unexpected changes are made to EI qualifying criteria for seasonal workers outside the metro region. Richard Duggan is standing by with VOCM News. This is News Talk on VOCM. Join Greg Smith weeknights at 545 as he chats with local musicians about life, inspiration shows, and new music. Tune into Soundcheck, your backstage pass to the local music scene on your VOCM. And we're back. Is there anything, this is a rhetorical question, I know, but I don't know if Richard's still listening. Is there anything Richard Duggan can't do? No. I can't juggle. <laughs> you can't juggle? No. Oh, I, well, you have come down in my estimation. <laughs> well, I, I will try to redeem myself uh, in the coming months. There you go. I expect to see you juggling in no time. Uh, Richard, thank you very much, by the way, for stepping in and doing yeoman service here during my absence. Oh, no, thank you. It was an absolute pleasure to be on the program uh, for the last couple of weeks filling in. Uh, really appreciate it, and thanks to everybody else who stepped in. Greg, I'm sure you did a show or two. Uh don't think I did. Ben Murphy did. Ben I know did, that for a fact. And did, Brian Callahan. And Richard did. And Richard did a lot of them, I know, because I, got I heard I too many them. superstars around us that I didn't even <laughs> want to step on their toes. That's all. Anyway, I want to thank everyone for stepping in during my absence. It's good to know that people have your back. Well, the FFAW is calling on the federal government to maintain EI qualification criteria for those outside the St. John's area for the remainder of the year. The union says more than 20,000 seasonal fishermen workers have been affected by a sudden change in qualification criteria for employment insurance. The FFAW's Alan Moulton joins me now. 
Well, hello, Alan. Hi, how are you, Linda? Great. So tell us, what, what's changed here? What is, uh, what is going on with EI? Well, uh, as you can see, Linda, from the media release, uh, you know, what was already, I guess, a very tough and challenging season for a lot of seasonal workers, especially fish plant workers and fishery workers, have just gotten a lot tougher now because for some time now, 420 hours, of course, was the qualifying hours you required outside the St. John's area. And a lot of people could draw up to 30 weeks, uh, basically, uh, with that amount of hours that really allowed them to to fix the gap between the time they got laid off this season and they got back to work. That's now increased to 455 hours. That's an additional 35 hours of work that's hard to come by in a fish plant. Um, and to add... Uh, I guess to the injury, <clears throat> the divisor was always 14 weeks. So if you end up with 10 weeks of work, you're still going to be divided by 14 to set your rate. So that's four big zeros on the end. That's now 15 weeks. And a lot of people struggle, and a lot of people don't even get the 14 weeks of work. And uh, again, to add further to that, you'll basically be able to draw 24 weeks of benefit. Uh, on that amount of uh, work. So for a lot of people now, their EI benefits will really run out before he gets back to work, and that period is known to us as really, I guess, the black hole where workers would end up with no income at all for that period of time. And, of course, the EI rate is adjusted monthly, so you know there's always the possibility that could even get worse. So what's prompted these changes then? Well, uh, I guess, you know, the fact that the unemployment rate dropped in itself is not a bad thing. Uh, That means there's more people working, but that does very little and has a very negative impact of people who started their season only had to get 420 hours of work. And I know the union has put in uh, what I see is a very, very reasonable ask uh, that the current measures of 420 hours and 14 weeks or less as your divisor be maintained now for the duration of this season, which is basically just four or five months. And, you know, so far the federal government has done little or nothing uh, to respond to the economic support proposal that the union had put forward and I know Greg and others were in Ottawa to meet with the various ministers uh, to try and ensure they understood the situation people were facing in the province so here's at least an opportunity now for the federal government to uh, step in and do something and I'm certainly hopeful we're going to see our federal representatives in this province step up to the plate and help make the argument that the very least can be done here is to maintain the current status before the August 6th change for the duration of this year. So, yeah, I assume then that uh, quite a few people will be uh, negatively affected by this. Well, like I say, Linda, when you was normally used to an additional six weeks, uh, around 30 weeks of benefit, and that amount of earnings, now you're going to be cut back to 24. That's six weeks, and that's basically 
what uh, a lot of workers lost at the start of the season that the union had made the case to Ottawa to support a program be put in place to help out. And if they're going to be end up six weeks short here again now with no income, then here's a real opportunity for the federal government to really step up to the plate and say, well, we didn't. We didn't do much of anything to respond to the economic support proposal that the union put in. So, yes, we're prepared to look at a short-term measure to get through this year with the 420 hours. That's been the case now for some time. And even the divisor 14 weeks, as I said, Linda, a lot of workers don't get that. Yet that's what their their earnings are divided for to set their unemployment rate or for, uh, to get them through the winter months. So it's a pretty tough situation that has just gotten a whole lot tougher for workers who've already been uh, sort of short, uh, shortchanged this year. Alan Moulton, keep us up to date on this, will you? I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you for the opportunity to uh, to speak about it. And, and again, I certainly hope our federal representatives in Ottawa are paying attention to what's happening here and the impact that's going to have on a lot of seasonal workers. And they shouldn't forget that those seasonal industries contribute, you know, billion dollars to the economy every year. And a very, very important part of our, uh, our uh, income that's uh, earned in this province. Alan Molden, thank you. Thank you very much, Linda. Appreciate it very much. And are these EI changes uh, affecting you? How so? Uh, give us a call if you, uh, um, you know, have been impact- impacted by this sudden change made on August the 6th. Well, coming up, a former prime minister pays a visit to the province's west coast. This is News Talk on VOCM. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. Well, earlier in the show, we heard from Immigration Minister Jerry Byrne responding to concerns raised about the integration of Ukrainian families in the province. Well, Byrne is in Rocky Harbor, where he played host this weekend to a very special visitor, former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien. Jerry Byrne, on another note, you're there in Rocky Harbor. There was a special celebration there the weekend with some people we may know. (laughs) What happened? This weekend was the 50th anniversary of the declaration of Grossmore National Park as just that, part of the national park system. It was on this date in 1973, uh, 50 years ago, that Jean Chrétien signed with the provincial government the declaration declaring this, making this uh, one of the national parks. And I think, according to Mr. Chrétien, one of the most beautiful parks anywhere in the world. So we hosted John Chrétien. He was the former Minister of Indian and Northern Affairs at the time and responsible for the, for the national park system. It was by his hand that it was created, and it was awesome to see my friend, my friend of 30 years, join me in celebrating his legacy, which is Grossmore National Park, which will live forever. Now, you're a former member of his cabinet, of course. Uh, How's he doing? Sean Cretchen is doing better than any of us. Uh, He's almost 90 years of age. He's still traveling the country, uh, doing great works of, uh, you know, I 
got to tell you, so I introduced my son. My son was born at the time that I served in his cabinet. And now at the age of 21, he, he uh, my son got to spend time with my political mentor, Jean Chrétien. And uh, so we spent the weekend together. And I can't, I just got to tell you, it was a wonderful full circle experience. And so to my friend Jean Chrétien, Thank you for coming to Newfoundland and Labrador again. Uh, he's visiting a, a special place in the central Newfoundland, which I'll leave to him to, uh, to, 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 to uh, divulge if he so chooses. But with that said, this is a man who loves our province, and it was great to host him again. Amazing. He was always known for, uh, you know, being fit and, and strong, the Schoenigan handshake. We all remember that. Um, it's, and he's still, he's still on the go. So he's still on the go. Uh, he's probably more vigorous and uh, he got more vitality than most people I know. And so while he was here in Rocky Harbor, my son spent the afternoon with him and um, he gave my son the Shawinigan handshake. It's just something he'll always remember for the rest of his life. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's just such a character. He's just such a great character, full of life, full of positivity, full of love of Canada and full of love for Newfoundland and Labrador. Jerry Byrne, thanks so much for sharing that with us. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you, Linda. And do you remember the Shawinigan handshake, Greg? Oh, yes. Yeah, I saw the picture <laughs> that we posted <laughs> online earlier. It brought me right back to that, that yeah. moment. Yeah, an iconic moment, yeah. really. I yeah. mean, I don't know if a prime minister would get the same kind of response to that yeah. nowadays. So. But, uh, you know, um, I think some of his security personnel at the time were admonished. <laughs> uh, but a uh, protester got a little too close for oh, comfort, yeah. and uh, Jean Chrétien took care of business sure did with uh, what was came to be known as the Shawinigan handshake grabbed him by the throat <laughs> so then it became the big gag of course this was the thing if you saw Jean Chrétien you asked him for a Shawinigan handshake well, it, Mark Chrétien 22 minutes had him do it to him as well yeah. and it became a whole thing there too it was just anyway you know, yeah. all in good fun of course for sure Schwinnigan being uh, Jean Chrétien's hometown <laughs> on the north shore of uh, the um, north shore on St. Lawrence Quebec <laughs> sorry um, so yeah uh, we have a picture of um that moment where yeah. Jerry Burns' son gets the Schoenigan handshake from former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien, still touring the country, 89 years old, just imagine. Um, and he always took pride in, you know, being sort of uh, vigorous and strong and that sort of thing, and obviously he's, uh, he's living up to that reputation. Well, speaking of Prime Ministers, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says a three-day federal cabinet retreat is set to take place in Prince Edward Island next week, which will focus on the economy and affordability issues. And oh man, uh, affordability has become such a overwhelming issue of late. We were having this chat this morning in the newsroom. I mean, it's just about everything has gone through the roof in mm -hmm. cost. Uh, and, uh, you know, we still have earning potential, if you know what I'm saying, yeah, Greg. For sure. Imagine now anybody on a fixed income. How do you keep up? Well, uh, you know, as you know, we got a little boy at home. He's 16 months old. And I was joking with my wife recently. I said, you know, everyone told us, like, when he's getting all these things when he's born, now he's going to break the bank. But I'm telling you, the f cost of fruit to keep that little fella going, blueberries and raspberries. Right. Whew. 
it's not not easy these days. Well, I mean, you know, I was always the type that when I went grocery shopping, I got what I got. Yeah. I'm going to get this, 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 and this, you know. And yes, I would, you know, try and find the best price. Mm-hmm. But I was going to get what I got to yeah. get. Now I'm going into grocery stores and going, you know what? Yeah. I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'm you're, not you're buying looking, that. You're him and Han quite a bit yeah. off the more now, for sure. Yeah, no, sir. Am I paying that for that? Yeah. Uh, I um, grabbed two salads. This is what I like to eat for lunch, yeah. a salad. You know, pre-made little yeah. salad. Uh, two salads came to $23. I said, never no more. Only yeah. because I needed it yeah. that I got it. But wow. no, sir. Not again. No. $23. Hopefully they were good salads. <laughs> well, the one I ate, the other one is being held for tomorrow unless it gets, you know, absconded <laughs> by someone who says, I'm not paying that for that. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, affordability is such a huge issue. And where is it all going to end? The Bank of Canada now talking about, or, or the speculation is, that the Bank of Canada going to raise interest rates yet again because inflation is through the roof. It's, it's well above... Uh, the target figure that but the reason for inflation is because gas is so high mm-hmm. so how are you supposed to keep everything else at a reasonable level when gas is so high and we yeah. rely on gas so completely right now to get all those goods where they need to go exactly so uh, we're at a very crucial time i think in world history so to speak. So uh, this is something that the ministers are going to be talking about. The retreat comes after last month's cabinet shuffle, which saw most of his front bench take on new positions as part of efforts to better communicate with Canadians and address pocketbook issues. Uh, Cabinet will be meeting in Charlottetown from August 21st to August uh, 23rd. Sorry, members of Parliament scheduled to return to the House of Commons on September 18th after the summer break. In a statement, Trudeau says the gathering will also focus on building more housing, improving health care, and fighting climate change. He says that over the summer break, he's heard what Canadians have been saying on those issues, and he's hoping to make progress at the retreat. Well, what needs to be done? I haven't got the answers to that, but certainly greater minds than I have to figure something out because... I don't know where it's all going to end. Affordability issues, uh, simply unbelievable. Also unbelievable is the wildfire situation this year. Uh, right across Canada, we've seen what's happening in Maui, just horrific. Uh, people living on an island with nowhere to go but the ocean. Uh, so the death toll there rising steadily in Maui as they continue to find people who have been unable to escape the wildfires there. Now the Canadian Armed Forces Reconnaissance Team has arrived in Hay River, Northwest Territories. Lots of Newfoundlanders working up in that area where a wildfire is forcing an evacuation of the town on the south shore of Great Slave Lake. I know somebody actually who's had to uh, get themselves to Edmonton um, uh, after being evacuated from the area after working in the area the road out of town impassable residents being urged to go to the airport and board evacuation flights all long-term care residents and patients have been transported by air to Yellowknife, while other flights have taken evacuees to Grand Prairie and Fort McMurray, Alberta. And as again, as I say, a lot of Newfoundlanders li- um, living and working up in that area around Hay River in the Northwest Territories on the south shore of Great Slave Lake. So uh, something else to <clears throat> keep a very close eye on. 
in other news, a survey rec- by recruiting company Robert Half shows employers and workers might be thinking in line with each other when it comes to the issue of hybrid work. Of course, Greg, you know, you worked from home. I worked from home during COVID for years now. I was, uh, you know, sitting in my dining room broadcasting live. Something Who we never knew? thought would have been possible. Who yeah. knew when we started our careers that that's something that we would do? And you've remarked to me yourself, you've said, you know, I would never imagine that I'd be doing this from my kitchen. You know, it's really quite extraordinary. So um, when you think about things like radio, mm-hmm. you can do it remotely. And there's a lot of other types of businesses that can be, you know, people yeah. work from home. And a lot of people I know are still doing the hybrid thing, working from home and going into the office every now and again to check yeah. in or whatever the case may be. So a new survey by recruiting company Robert Half shows employers and workers might be thinking in line with each other when it comes to the issue of hybrid work. It shows 54% of hiring managers and 49% of professionals surveyed think a hybrid model combining remote and in-office work is the ideal situation. Only 38% of managers and 28% of professionals think being back in the office full-time is best. So um, there's been a shift over COVID, of course. Before COVID, it was unthinkable. Most managers, I would argue, uh, would tell you, no, no, uh, we are a work-from-the-workplace workplace, uh, so therefore we expect you to be in. But now, workers are, uh, and employers are finding out that you can do both. Just 8% of hiring managers and 22% of professionals surveyed think everyone working remotely is ideal. So it's the hybrid model that looks like is coming out on top in mm-hmm. terms of you know, worker and, and manager type of um, opinions on that. Very interesting indeed. And I was devastated Greg mm-hmm. over uh, my vacation to find out of the passing of Robbie Robertson. He yeah. had been sick for some time. I was not aware. I wasn't aware either. I sent you a note because as soon as I saw it, I said, oh, I thought of you immediately, actually, because every time we played the band, you and I, we usually uh, would comment on, on the tunes and stuff. But yeah, I didn't know he was sick and yeah. uh, saw that news. and It was quite a shock. Even, I mean, he lived to be a great age, obviously, but yeah, quite the shock. Yeah, so the only one left now, Garth Hudson. Just mm-hmm. imagine, and what a brilliant man he is. But I noticed that he had posted, Garth Hudson had posted, uh, something recently and he was lying on a pillow so obviously mm-hmm. Garth it might not be feeling the best himself. Yeah. I know he was quite enfeebled in recent years uh, but just another reminder of how time passes and yeah. we're all you know slowly getting up there I was shocked to learn that Robbie Robinson was 80 already. Yeah it doesn't seem like it right? We, no we, it we seems we like yesterday he was guys. somewhere yeah. down the lazy, lazy river but you know when you know our perception of the world is through videos and that sort of thing that's just exactly. kind of timeless you know yeah. uh, you see people when they're 30 or 40 yeah. or 50 and that is a um, an image that stays in your mind you forget that people do in fact age. i remember taking my mom to a show uh when i lived in the Buren peninsula i can't remember the name of the band but she loved them when she was growing up and we took her to his in grand days and she saw him on stage she goes that's not how I remember it because they were mm-hmm. these older guys now. And yeah. she was like, wow, that, that was quite the change, right? But she just had in her mind it was still the same band from when she was younger. Of course. Yeah. yeah. You know. And Phil Collins, I mean, what a shocker to see. I saw what, a picture of him recently. Yeah, yeah. how he's doing now. In fact, um, the recent um, Genesis World Tour, mm-hmm. he did most of his sets sitting in a chair, yeah. almost like a wheelchair on, on the stage. So really quite shocking to see someone who was, a, you know, one of the premier drummers of, of the, the best drum solos 70s of all time. and 80s, you know. <laughs> 
know, to be, you know, in that kind of a state. So that is just another reminder. Time passes. Anyway, on that happy note, (laughs) (laughs) Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks, Greg, for helping out. I understand Claudette's back tomorrow. Uh, Me body Claudette. Looking forward to seeing her again. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, everyone.